Welcome to the River Bluff Church Sermon Podcast. We hope you enjoy this sermon from lead pastor Joe Still. And for more information about us, please visit riverbluff.org. Please join me in prayer. Father, we are so blessed to be able to come into your presence. We praise you, Father, for who you are, our creator, our sustainer, our great physician. You are everything to us, Lord. And Lord, everything that we have, you have given to us. Help us, Father, to use all you have provided for your kingdom's glory. Guide us, Father. Lord, we just praise you for your love. Sometimes, Father, it's incomprehensible how a perfect God could love a sinner like me. I thank you, Lord, for the depth of your love. Father, I need your strength. I need you to help me in my battles against temptation and Satan around me. Guide us. Help us to praise you with our very being. In your holy name we pray. Amen. Thank you. Thank you, Terry. And uh, praise team, oh my goodness. You led us well, so well. Good morning. How are we? How are y'all? Let's try that again. How are we? There you are. You are awake. I was about to say it was because we didn't provide you coffee this morning, but I'm not going to take the hit on that one. We're glad you're here this morning. If you have your Bibles, you may want to begin to make your way to Psalm 147. That's where we're going to be um, today. Uh, For those of you who may not have heard, um, this Sunday is my last Sunday with you guys for uh, for about five weeks, um, I'm going to be uh, on sabbatical. The elders have uh, offered that, and I'm taking advantage of it. And uh, so we're going to be kind of off the grid, disconnected. I'll be in the office some this week, but uh, uh, we've got some wonderful folks coming to share God's word with you. Pastor Kurt will be here next Sunday, and then on the last Sunday that I'm away, uh, and wedged in between Pastor Kurt, Pastor Guy Smith is going to be leading us the following Sunday, and then uh, Craig Tuck, our Director of Missions for Charleston Baptist Association, dear, dear brother, dear friend of mine is going to be here leading, and uh, then uh, Dave Harden, uh, Pastor Dave will uh, also be sharing from God's Word. I'm very, very grateful for this opportunity, and grateful that you're going to be in the hands of such wonderful um, teachers of God's Word. Uh, I'm uh, going to walk through this chapter kind of verse by verse this morning. We're not going to do all of it. I, I, did not, I did not intentionally lie to you last week. Mo- Melissa Roten's already called me out on it. Not Melissa, Sarah. Sarah Roten called me out on it. Um, I, I told you last week that our series Forish was over. And it was because I was convinced it was. I actually had a different message kind of lined up for this Sunday on unity. And, um, and then actually last Sunday and then Monday morning, I ended up in some scripture about praise. And then I come to staff meeting. Um, and two of our staff members during our, our staff meeting talk about how praise has impacted them. And I'm not the sharpest knife in the drawer, as you all know, but... I said, okay, God, we'll, we'll continue this. We'll end the series on this issue. And, and then it was kind of like, how in the world could I have even begun to think about talking about human flourishing and not thought about the role that praise plays in that? So I didn't have to think. God did. And I'm grateful that, that he, he did that. So we're going to be looking at that today. And I, here's what I hope you'll see is that when we praise God, dynamic change happens in our lives, life-giving change. And we need that in our, in our day. We, we need some beautiful life-giving change because there's so much change that is kind of pushed on us that isn't always helpful. 
Uh, it's not always what I would call good change. Sometimes it's confusing when it comes on us. Sometimes it's frustrating when it comes on us. You know, one of the hot topics in our culture these days is this thing called AI, artificial intelligence. And we've been told for years that, you know, it's going to improve our lives and things are going to get so much better. It's going to save us time. And I, I'm not opposed to, uh, you know, things things moving ahead with, with that, but sometimes it just confuses me. I, I just, some of it just confuses me. Um, I heard a comedian long, not long ago talk about computers, robots are running our world now. You know, they're, they're just running our world. And uh, he started kind of asking this question. If robots are running our world, and you know, I, I, I engage with these robots, why have they started making me prove that I'm a human? Have you had that problem on the, you know, you go on the internet, you're trying to get on this website, and in honor to get on the website, you have to prove to this robot that you're not a robot. It, it feels like robot discrimination, you know. I, I don't, it, it makes no sense to me, you know. And I'm having to prove that I'm not a robot. And they call this artificial intelligence and they tout how how much smarter you know it's going to be and I'm and then they give me this test and what's the test they put up nine pictures and all I've got to do is pick the three pictures that have stop signs in them and then I'm smarter than a robot you know and it's kind of like if artificial intelligence is so intelligent how come they can't see those big red signs? You know, it just, it, it, it blows my mind. So um, it's confusing to me, you know, sometimes frustrating. Now what I'm hopeful for today is that when you leave this place, you're going to see that God's plans for praise to flow from your life is not confusing and it's not frustrating, um, but in fact, it's beautiful. It's powerful. It's life-giving change that, that can come to you because here's the deal. In, in God's kingdom economy, the way that God designed his kingdom, he's designed it so when glory comes to him from his people, good comes to them. God, God has worked it out that way. So I want us to dig into God's word. If you have your Bibles, Psalm 147, we're going to start reading in verse 1 and move on to most of the chapter. We'll get down to about verse 14. God's word says this, praise the Lord, for it is good to sing praises to our God, for it is pleasant, and song, and a song of praise is what? Fitting. The Lord builds up Jerusalem, he gathers the outcast of Israel, he heals the brokenhearted and binds up their wounds, he determines the numbers of the stars, he gives to all of them their names. Great is our Lord and abundant in power. His understanding is beyond measure. The Lord, he lifts up the humble. He casts the wicked to the ground. Sing to the Lord with thanksgiving. Make melody to our God on the lyre. He covers the heavens with clouds. He prepares rain for the earth. He makes grass grow on the hills. He gives to the beasts their food and to the young ravens that cry. His delight is not in the strength of the horse, nor his pleasure in the legs of a man. But the Lord takes pleasure in those who fear him. In those whose hope is in his steadfast love. Praise the Lord, O Jerusalem. Praise your God, O Zion, for his strengths, for he strengthens the bars of your gates. He blesses your children within you. He makes peace in your borders. He fills you with the finest of the wheat. This is the word of the Lord. Now, I'm not sure if, if this is just maybe some Bible trivia or not. Maybe you know that. But one of the things that I've discovered about a lot of people when it comes to praise, sometimes they think praise is just like a component of prayer. 
I've, I've had some interactions with people, you know, working, uh, trying to encourage people to engage in prayer. And, and there are a lot of what I'll call prayer guides, you know, kind of tools to help you think about prayer. And sometimes we get, we get captured by a, a false understanding of God and, and our prayer life. And sometimes we think those, those prayer guides are like a secret way to sneak up on God so I can get what I want from him. And so we think, okay, I got to do thanksgiving, and I got to do that praise thing, and then I got to do confession, and then I got to intercede for them other people so I can get to what I really am here for, me, you know, so I can do the the petition thing, so I can ask. And sometimes it's kind of like we think we're somehow got to work it in there, and that praise is just a part of that. And that praise is like a hoop you have to jump through. Now... I am not saying, here's what I'm not saying. I'm not saying that praise is an unimportant part of prayer. It's a very important part of prayer until it gets seen as just a tool to get me to what I want, okay? It, but it's a very important part of prayer. Jesus, Jesus taught us that. He taught his disciples that. We'll see that uh, in, in a moment. But here's the deal. The Bible talks more about praise than it does about prayer, more about praise than it does about prayer. There's, there's actually a very significant difference between uh, prayer and praise. When you, when you go to God in prayer, your ultimate goal is you want to leave his presence with something. You, you take your request to God. You want to leave with your request having been heard by God, being answered by God. When you praise God, you enter his presence to leave something with God. You don't want to take it away. You just want to leave something with God that you, you pray will be there for eternity. So, so you praise God in this way. Now, in the Bible, praise is not only powerful, it's practical. It, there, are, there are just kind of practical implications of praise. And I want to point out some of those for our lives because it really will, if we engage praise from a biblical passion and, 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 and point of view, it, it has impact on our lives to help us flourish. So I want to point out kind of six things that I see here in Psalm 147. The first one is this. Praise properly places God in my mind. It, it rightly arranges God in my mind. I began reading, rereading actually last week, um, a book by uh, Dr. A.W. Tozer, The Pursuit of God. Highly commend that book to you. Uh, it's a great book. Uh, Dr. Tozer is a great theologian. He was a great pastor, wrote over, over 50 books. Um, and uh, another great book that he wrote is The Knowledge of the Holy. And in that book, The Knowledge of the Holy, I commend that one to you as well, um, he made this incredible statement. Some of you have heard this before. He said this, what comes into our minds when we think about God is the most important thing about us. What comes into our minds when we stop and think about God is the most important thing about us. Praising God helps us rightly prioritize God in our, in our mind. It, it, it appropriates him properly in the place he deserves. Verse 1 of Psalms 147 said this, Praise the Lord, for it is good to sing praises to our God, for it is pleasant. And then it's kind of like, and on top of that, songs of praise is fitting. A song of praise is fitting. In other words, it's just, it's the only proper response. When you encounter God, it fits. It makes sense. It's only the right thing to do to, to praise him when you come to know who God is. Do you know when, when God created the universe, you know, he created, he created hamsters and tortoises. He created plants of all, all kinds. He created, you know, killer whales. Uh, he, he created stars. He created the angels, angelic beings, the Bible tells us. And the Bible tells us that when God created all of those things, one of their primary purposes was praise. Look at this in Psalm 145, uh, verse 10. It says, all your work shall do what? Give thanks to you. Uh, King James uses the language, shall praise you. It, it, it shall praise you. All, all your works, all of creation was designed to praise the Lord. 
If, you, if you're still in Psalm 147, if you jumped over to Psalm 148, you'd read these words. Starting in verse 1, it says, praise the Lord. Praise the Lord from the heavens. Praise him in, in the heights. Praise him, all his angels. Praise him, all hosts. Praise him, sun and moon. Praise him, all you shining stars. Praise him, you highest heavens and you waters above the heavens. Let them praise the name of the Lord. For he commanded and they were created. Everything. Everything was created to praise the Lord. Every bird that flies. Every blade of grass that grows the, the, most, the, the highest position of angelic beings, everything. And so all throughout God's word, this theme of praise runs. And so we, we see even in the last book of the Bible, in the book of Revelation, we have this image of what's going on in heaven. Uh, Revelation chapter 4, verse 8, and it tells us, And the four living creatures, each of them with six wings, full of eyes all around and within. Sometimes... If you really stop and read God's word, things can be a little frightening. I mean, that's, that's a frightening angel, you know, when you think about what that's literally saying there. Just power here. And, and day and night, they never cease to say what? Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. They're just, they're constantly praising God. Praising God is something all of the created order was intended to do. And when I praise God, it properly positions him in my thought life, in, in, in my mind. And that opens my mind to God's purposes. It, it helps me see part of the purpose of God. And this is why profaning the name of God is such a horrible sin. Praising him rightly places it. But when I profane the name of God... It demeans God. It degrades God. It dishonors God in my thought life. So I, he's no longer properly placed in my mind. I don't, I don't see him for who he is when I, when I, when I profane his name. It, it diminishes my ability to think of him, him being powerful. One of the things that, one of the songs we sing around here that a lot of us love is there is power in the name of Jesus to do what? Break every chain break every chain, break every chain. But here's what happens when we profane the name of God. We give every chain strength over our lives to keep us in bondage, to keep us in captivity, to keep us stuck when we profane the, the name of God. That's why it's like uh, up there, one of the, the top two commandments. God says, don't, don't take my name in vain. I told you that, that praise is not only powerful, but it's practical. I want you to think of it in terms of the Ten Commandments for just a minute, okay? There are commandments that God says, do not do this. It will be destructive to you and to uh, human flourishing. All of the commandments. But now here's, just please bear with me for a minute. There's going to be a point to this. Let me unpack this fully. Because I'm not advocating that you break the commandments, or nod your head if you're understanding. He is not advocating that we're breaking commandments. I understand you, Joe. Okay? I just want you to think very practically for a minute. The Bible says, thou shalt not steal. So you should not steal. Don't steal. But somebody who steals at least leaves with something. But don't steal. The Bible says, do not commit adultery. Don't commit adultery. But someone who commits adultery, they fulfill, you know, some carnal desire. The Bible says, do not kill. Friends, don't kill. But there are times people who kill walk away having felt like they enacted revenge. But don't kill. But here's the deal with profaning the name of the Lord. The only thing you walk away with is judgment. You don't, you don't carry anything with you out of that. The only thing you walk away from after profaning the name of the Lord is the judgment of God upon you. Don't, don't profane. The, the reason, God knows it destroys his image of, uh, your image of him in your mind. So do not profane. Don't, don't take the name of the Lord in vain. It is so very destructive to your soul. It erodes it destroys the proper positioning of God's place in, in your thinking. Second, 
kind of practical thing I see about praise for our lives is praise ministers healing to our souls. It ministers healing to my soul. Maybe you're here today and your heart is, is broken. Maybe you're here today and you feel kind of disenfranchised. You feel maybe forgotten. Maybe you're discouraged. Maybe you kind of feel disconnected from others. You know, the Bible says in those moments, make your heart an instrument of praise and you will find a place for your soul to begin to soar when you praise the Lord. Look at verses 2 and 3 from Psalm 147. He says, the Lord builds up Jerusalem. He gathers the outcast of Israel. He heals the brokenhearted and he binds up their wounds. Have you ever felt maybe emotionally or spiritually out of sync, just not in a good rhythm emotionally or a good rhythm spiritually? Well, so often one of the causes of those kinds of feelings has to do with my having gotten self-occupied or self-preoccupied might be a, a better way to say it, where, where my thoughts are mostly about me and I start just centering on my life and my struggles. And, and the moment I do that, I'm, I, I've, I've compressed the universe to just be a, around me. And when I do that and I'm thinking about my life so much, what I do is I kind of put a little throne up and I sit on that and I'm, I'm just, I kind of occupy with myself. And in that moment, what really happens is I become my own little God. And I start feeding my ego. And when that happens, when somebody criticizes me, oh my goodness, I gotta, I gotta go on the defense because they're coming after my kingdom now. You know, and we, we all experience this and we all set out to defend, you know, our little kingdom and we get defensive and, and, and sometimes people just walk around like ticking time bombs. And so often it's because we've become self-focused, self, self-interested about, you know, my thoughts, my thinking. Friends, this is one of the things, you know, I told you I, was, I thought I was going to be talking about unity. This is one of the things that is destroying the church of the living God. All across our land is this kind of egocentricism that's taking place. It's one of the reasons that there, people began to rage about three little pieces of cloth sewn together. Churches began to fight over three little pieces of cloth. Churches divided over these things. It's, it's the craziest thing. Mask rage. I remember the good old days when all we had was road rage. Anybody remember that? That was it. We just had road rage to deal with. And this past year, we've had to deal with gender rage. We've had to deal with mask rage. We've had to deal with race rage. Now we're dealing with vaccine rage. It's just, it, it's, it's crazy. And all of that is because we center in on, on ourselves. It's a, it, rage comes when I'm focused on capital I, on, on me. And friends, praise takes the focus off of that. Praise begins to move me away to see how holy and beautiful and altogether wonderful God is. And, and as I do that, as I begin to emphasize him, as he begins to become more central in, in my thinking, my, my, I'm no longer on this path of rage, this path of destruction. And when that happens, guess what happens? My, my soul gets soothed. My blood pressure goes down. Peace begins to settle in. Stress begins to subside. Listen to how Jesus kind of describes this experience in Luke chapter 9. Jesus said this. He said, for whoever would save his life will lose it. If all you do is focus on your own life, if that's the center of your, your, your universe, you're going to lose it. But he goes on to say, but whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. That's why people who are self-centered are some of the most miserable people out there. Praise takes away the power of self-occupation and it puts our minds on, on God and, and his beauty. And when you see him, when you see how wonderful he is, when you see how filled with grace he is for you, how filled with love and mercy God is towards you, it changes you. It, it flips something in you. That, that's why 
That's why you can't truly praise God and pout at the same time. Praise and pouting are are mutually exclusive. You you can't do that. You can't can't genuinely have a heart of praise for God and a heart filled with bitterness simultaneously. One always replaces the other. You just get to choose which one. You get to choose whether bitterness will replace praise or will praise replace bitterness. That's going to be part of, of your choice. You get to decide. Hear what the Lord says his desire for you is. This is in Isaiah chapter 61. This is God's will for you. He says, I want to console those who mourn in Zion. I want to give give you beauty for ashes. I want the oil of joy to be swapped for for your mourning. I want the garment of praise to, to replace the spirit of heaviness, that they may be called trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he might be glorified. Friends, when we begin to praise God, there's this great cosmic exchange that begins to take place. You get to exchange whatever sorrow you may be carrying You get get to exchange that for being consoled by God. You get to exchange those places in your life where you feel burnt out and burnt up. You You get to exchange those for something of beauty. When your soul feels weighed down and just heavy laden, the Bible says you can exchange that for a garment of praise. What does praise do? Well, praise properly places God in my mind and praise ministers healing to our souls. There's a third thing that praise does. Praise promotes my faith above my problems. It, it elevates my faith. Faith gets a new rank. If you want to think kind of in the military, you get, a, you get a higher rank while what happens to your problems is they get demoted in rank. They get demoted. Faith grows and watches my, my struggle shrink. Verses 4 through 6 of Psalm 147 says this. He, speaking of God, determines the number of the stars. He gives to all of them their names. Great is our Lord and abundant. This is God. Abundant in power. His understanding is beyond measure. The Lord lifts up the humble and he casts the wicked to the ground. Stephen, hold those verses up there for just a minute. See, God determined the numbers of stars in the universe. And his word says he has a name for each of them. Now scientists tell us that in our, our galaxy, we, we, we're part of the Milky Way galaxy, and in the Milky Way galaxy, there are at least 100 billion stars. Some estimates up to, uh, up to 400 billion stars in our galaxy. Now back in 1999, the scientific community told us that there were at least 100 billion galaxies in our universe. I looked last night, and now they're telling us there are about 2 trillion galaxies in our universe, each with at least 100 billion stars. And God has a name for each of them, and God knows their names. He, he does that. That's what the psalmist is telling us. I have three grandchildren. Count them, one, two, three. And there are times... When I call one of them by their sibling's name. All I got is three. God's got gazillions of stars. He knows their name. He doesn't get confused. His understanding is beyond anything that we have. And when we praise him, when we get connected to that, we we understand great is our Lord. He's abundant in power and his understanding is beyond measure. It's off the charts. That's why praise is so important because when I see God, for who he is, and I think about my problems, they get demoted as he gets lifted up and my faith gets strengthened. My problems get a whole new perspective, and you can take the worst thing that you're ever going to face and take it in praise to God, and it changes everything because you compare it to his power and his understanding. Friends, the one who knows the names of all those stars knows your name. He, he, he sees you intimately, personally. He knows what's going on in you. He knows what you're facing. The Bible says that he knows the numbers of hairs on your head. Now, I know for some of you that's not hopeful thinking, but he knows the numbers of hairs on the rest of our head then. Maybe you'll, you'll find hope in that, okay? He, he knows that. The Bible says that every time a sparrow dies, God attends its funeral, I mean, he sees it. He knows it. 
He's paying attention. He knows what you're facing. And you've got to praise him to get connected to how glorious he is, how wonderful he is, and your problems will begin to find a place to be demoted and your faith gets raised. See, that's why, that's why Jesus, when he was teaching his disciples about prayer, he booked ended prayer with praise. You remember how it starts out? Say it with me. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. It's praise. Just praising God for having, having a, a, a wonderful name. But it starts off helping you see that he's your Father. And then it ends with what? For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. It starts with talking about praising God who is your Father and ends with praising God who is the king of everything so that you come to understand in that in-between time where you're petitioning God for your needs that you understand he can handle this because he, he is your father, which means he can sympathize with you like a, a loving father would. But he's the king of everything, so he's sovereign over it all. So I can talk to him about what I'm struggling with knowing he's got this because he's, he's all-powerful. The psalmist tells us in, in verses 7 through 9 that we, we praise the Lord, we sing to the Lord with thanksgiving, that we make melody to our God on the lyre, that he covers the heavens with clouds. He prepares rain for the earth. He makes grass grow on the hills. He gives to the beast their food and to the young ravens that cry. And he does this because one of the things that God wants us to do in our praise, this is the fourth thing. I jumped out of, out of rhythm there. Sorry, Stephen. The fourth thing that God wants us to do is he wants our praise to display our gratitude for his goodness. He wants our praise to display our gratitude for his goodness. There's a, uh, uh, a pastor by the name of John Piper. And John Piper is famous for having, I think he coined the phrase, Christian hedonism. Which simply means is being a Christian is just a great party. It's an awesome party. And here's kind of the, uh, the definition when he defines that, what he's saying. Is he says this, God is most glorified in us when we are most satisfied in him. God is most glorified in us when we are, are most satisfied in him. Now, we read the, those verses a moment ago, verses 7 through 9, and it talked about rain, and it talked about clouds, and it talked about grass growing and all those kinds of things. I want to ask you a question. Has anybody other than me ever whined about the weather? I just confess it, you know. I have. Some days I don't like a cloudy day. I want a sunshiny day. Anybody ever griped about the grass in the summer growing too fast and you have to cut it multiple times and edge it and weed eat it and all those kinds of, of wonderful things? You know, we're, it's so easy for our hearts to, to move to grumbling. I remember reading a, a saying that says we are too often grumbly hateful when we ought to be more often humbly grateful. It's true, we, it's so easy for us to become ungrateful, but in humility, we need to be grateful to God because of the rain that makes that grass grow so that the beasts, that cow in the field can eat it so that later today when you go home, that steak is on your plate, you know? You, it, when that happens, you need to thank God for the rain that he sent when you didn't necessarily want it. Because he's, he's, he's covering all of this. And what we have to do is we need to focus on how, what we have, how rich we are in, in the blessings of God, his, his goodness. We need to do that. And the Bible says that what we should do is sing to the Lord with thanksgiving. Now, please notice this. It didn't say sing to the Lord with perfect pitch. It didn't say that. It says with a thankful heart. I know that I am not the greatest of singers. But I love when we praise God together. I love to sing. I love to. I do not have perfect pitch. My wife will testify to that. You know who else will testify to that? Gabby, are you here? Gabby's back there. 
Gabby Zapato, one of our praise singers, will testify to this. Not long ago, I was sitting right over there. And I had come down off stage after the message. And I was just worshiping the Lord. And I looked up on stage, and Gabby makes this kind of face. Just a, she just kind of made a strange face. And I thought, ooh, somebody's sending. Our, our, our praise singers have in-ear in pieces. Where, that's kind of where they hear the music. They're able to balance it that way. And, um, and Gabby's just start kind of making a face. And I'm thinking, somebody in the sound booth needs to fix something. You know, they need to fix something. And um, eventually, it gets so horrible that she pops it out because she just can't take it anymore. Well, come to find out, I had forgot to mute my mic. And they were blending my singing into Gabby's ear piece. And it was way off. You don't have to have perfect pitch. We're not singing for each other. We're singing unto the Lord. That's why we even let Terry Watkins sing. You know, we're, we're, we're singing unto the Lord with gladness, with, with joy. Because of his beauty and his grace. We have so much to be grateful for. And our praise displays our gratitude to God. And here's another thing that happens when you display your gratitude to God through worship and praise. It has, a, it has an evangelistic component. If somebody who knows you and knows that you're going through difficulty in life. Maybe they're not a believer. But they, they show up for service and they see you praising the Lord. You know what that causes them to do? It causes them to stop and say, how can they, when faced with such great tragedy, such, such despair, how can they praise God in the midst of a storm like that? It causes people to stop and look at God differently. There's, a, there's power. There's evangelism power in our praise. So praise the Lord. Display your gratitude and praise. Fifth, praise provides protection from our enemies. You got any enemies? God's word says, if you follow Jesus, you do. You got a big one. The moment you trust that Christ, you put a big target on your back for the enemy known as Satan. And praise is actually one of the best ways to resist the devil. Verses 10 and 11 of Psalm 147, look at them with me. It says, speaking of God, his delight is not in the strength of the horse, nor his pleasure in the legs of man. And this is where I, I said earlier, Guy, I think he was talking about you there when he said God's pleasure is not in the legs. Never mind. Um, no pleasure in the legs of a man, but the Lord takes pleasure in those who fear him, in those who hope in his steadfast love. Now, none of y'all go after the service and pull up his, his pants leg to look at his legs. Don't do that. That's inappropriate. Okay? Um, but th this is what that statement about the, the legs of men is about. It's, it's talking about a marching army. The strength of the horse is talking about a war horse. Friends, this is battle language. This is about going in, into battle. And Scripture here is saying when we're faced with a battle, what pleases God is, is praise. It's not, it's not your... your you know, your, your army equipment. It's not the strength of your soldiers. It's, it's praise. Throughout, throughout God's word, we see God's people in battles. Battle after battle against the enemy. And on a number, a, a number of occasions, God's people were given some instructions that were not normal battle plans. If you go to Second Chronicles chapter 20... There's the events are laid out about a time when uh, King Jehoshaphat was king of Judah. And he's being surrounded. They're, they're being surrounded by three armies. Uh, three different nations were, had united forces and were coming against the people of God, J Judah, um, which was the tribe in which the Messiah would come. And so they're, they're again surrounded, and King Jehoshaphat doesn't know what to do, and he, he goes to the Lord, and he prays to God, and God tells him that what he wants him to do is, here's your battle plan. I want you to praise me in song. I want you to put your best singers out in front. You know, if there's any Marines in the house, you know, if you could imagine that you're, you know, the general says, new battle plan, we're going in, 
uh, or commander of, you know, SEAL Team 6 or something. Here's how we're going to defeat the enemy today. We're going to sing to them. That's, that's, what, that's what's going on here. And so they, they, they go to this kind of a battle, and God's people, they just begin to praise the Lord. And I want you to notice verse 22. Verse 22 tells us that, that, that what happened after, after they did, after they heeded what God said, verse 22 says, and when they began to sing and praise, the Lord set an ambush against the men of Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir, who had come against Judah so that they were routed. And if you go on, you'll see what happened. It, they were so confused by this new battle strategy that they turned on each other and decimated each other's own armies. Great, great, incredible battle plan. Now, here's one of the things that I want you to know about the nation of Judah. Judah was the, the tribe through which Messiah was prophesied to come. And that's one of the reasons you see them over and over and over again being attacked because Satan would manipulate human armies to try to blot out the line of coming Messiah. Do you know where Messiah reigns today? In the hearts of his people. If you've trusted Christ, he's here. And so one of the reasons Satan comes after you like he does is he is trying to remove the power of Christ in you so that he will not be known by the world. He, he was trying to destroy him so he would never make it into the world before. But now that he's come and he's set up shop in your life, if you've trusted in Jesus, the reason that the enemy comes against you and you have an enemy, the, the reason he comes against you like he does is he is trying to keep Messiah from being known by others. That's why you're, why you're in this battle. And the, the victory comes, the Bible says, through praise that you, we overcome our enemy. What enemy are you facing? How is, how is the devil manifesting his attack against you these days? No matter what it was or what it is, the Bible says the way to stand against that is in the power of praise. Praising God for his presence with you. You know, there's a theological term called the omnipresence of God, which basically is just a, a short way of saying the biblical truth that God is always with us. He's always with us. He's, he's actually, he's everywhere. He's all present everywhere at all times. But God chooses to manifest his power of his presence at special times. I want you to look at one of those. In Psalm 22, verse 3, it says about God, you are holy and you are enthroned on the praises of Israel, your people. The old King James uh, would say it this way, God inhabits the praises of his people. God dwells there in a unique way. So here's what happens. When you start praising God, genuine, heartfelt praise of the Lord, not faking it, Here's what God does with his throne. He moves in and sets up shop right there. That's what it says. He's enthroned in the praise of his people, in the thanks of his people. God, God sets his throne up right there. Do you know what a king's throne represented? His authority, his power. And sometimes when he would conquer a, a people, he would go set his throne up over there for a little while so those people that had been conquered would know that king's enthroned now. His authority and the power rest here. Friends, when you trusted Christ, if you have trusted Christ, what Jesus does, he wants to be king of your heart. He wants to, he wants to set up his throne there. He, wa he wants you to come to him and say, I've looked at the way I'm running my own life, and it's a train wreck. Jesus, I, I need you. I need your forgiveness. I need your grace. I need your mercy. I am a sinner separated from the God of all creation. And Jesus, I call out on your name. And I'm coming to you. I want you to be Lord. I want you to be king. I want you to be enthroned on my heart. And the Bible says that Jesus will do that. And then it, when you praise him as his child... 
that power gets released in, in fresh ways. When, when God sets up his throne in our hearts, when he is enthroned there. That's why it's so, so beautiful to know that when I come to Jesus, he sets up his throne in my heart. That displays his glory. A sixth way that praise leads us into flourishing is this. Praise releases God's peace and provision for my life. When I begin to praise, the peace of God finds traction in me. It, it, not only did it shut out the enemy, but it also puts a fortress around me. It draws, draws me in. It draws his people in. Look at verses 12 through 14. It says, praise the Lord, O Jerusalem. Praise your God, O Zion. Watch what he does. For he strengthens the bars of your gates. He fortifies this. He blesses your children within you. He makes peace in your borders. He fills you with the finest of the wheat. See, when, when God brings his people in to praise. He gives them everything they need. He becomes their shelter. He becomes this mighty, mighty fortress. He, he protects them. He, gives, he lets peace kind of flourish as, as we praise him. See, praise and the peace of God have a symbiotic relationship. You can't, you can't separate those. As you praise God, peace comes. The peace of Christ's. It's not in your notes. It's not going to come up on the screen. You may want to write it down. It's Philippians 4, 7. tells us about, about the peace of Christ. It says, The peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. It will do that. That's what the, the, how the peace of God comes is through Christ Jesus. If you went back to verse 6, verse 6 tells you that the way that that comes is through thanksgiving or through praise. That's how, that's, that's how as, you're, as you're in prayer, the peace of Christ settles on you is when you come in, in thanksgiving and, and, and praise, a heart set on praise. So I, I want to I begin closing now with a question. Have you set, set your heart to praise God? Have, have, you, have you set it that way? Have you positioned your life to praise God? Because praise is a primary pathway to your flourishing in this broken world. It's, it's a primary pathway. Now, somebody might say, Joe, okay, I get that there are benefits for praising God, but shouldn't we just praise him simply for who he is? And the answer, of course, is yes. Certainly we should. But God wants you to know what to expect when you praise him so that you will long to grow in that habit. You'll, just, you'll see him filling you. He'll fill you with joy. His presence will be more dynamic. God says, I want you to see it. I want you to see my presence being more dynamic in your life. But it's got to start somewhere. And the Bible says praise really starts in our heart. But I, ha I have to choose it. I have to set my mind to, to pursue becoming this person of praise. Look what Psalm 34.1 says. It says, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. You know, maybe you need to memorize that verse. Maybe you just need to, to take Psalm 34.1 and start planning it in your head to say, Okay, I'm going, to, I'm going to become somebody who praises God continually. I want, I want God, your praise, to continually be in my mouth. I just, I, I long for that, God. That's what I want. And just set out to do that. Heart, mind, soul, to, to just praise God. Let it be, let you be steadfast in it. Be, be, be set in this. And there's no time like the present to, to start that journey. Look what Psalm 57 verse 7 says. It says, God, my heart is steadfast. Oh, God, my heart is steadfast. What it's meaning is it is set in stone. It, it is, this is just a deal. And this is what it says. I will sing. Yes, I will sing praises. Is your heart set to sing praise to God? Even though you may be facing 
one of the most challenging times of your life. Even though you, you may be in what feels like a great darkness, even though you may feel like right now that there's just some oppression over your life, have you set your life to be steadfast in praise? If you're able, I'm going to ask you to stand with me as we pray now. If you're able. Pray with me. Lord, we we come right now to fix our hearts. To fix our hearts to praise you. to, 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 To be steadfast in praise. We want praise to continually be coming out of our mouths. So we choose in this moment, God, to set our minds there, to set our hearts there, to become a people who choose to praise you at all times in all circumstances, no matter what we face. God, in this moment, our hearts are steadfast. And we say with the psalmist, I will sing, God, Maybe you just need to tell God that. God, I'm going to sing your praise. Yes, God, I'm going to sing your praise. Maybe right now in this moment, what you need to do is say, Jesus, I choose to cast off that that spirit of heaviness, and I choose to put on the garment of praise. Jesus, I, I cast off that spirit of death that has encompassed me. And I put, on, I put on resurrection robes that you have given me. I cast off that spirit of addiction. And I put on the robe of power to overcome through the blood of Christ. Just come to praise his name. To see his power released. To see his throne set up in your heart and your mind and your life as we praise him together Jesus we come now to praise you to praise your holy name and it's in your holy name we pray Amen